0: You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. So over the last few weeks, we've been uh, studying the book of Acts and looking at different parts of the story of the early church. And today we're going to focus in on uh, one of the main characters of Acts, and that is uh, the person of Saul or Paul, as he is later called. Um, And we're going to look at some of his conversion story and how that applies to us and what does that mean? You know to say that we are people of the gospel and uh, And so I want to ask you uh, this question. You know what if you had to describe or Define what the gospel is. I want you to be thinking about that. Like what is the gospel? Did you know uh, that we live here in Atlanta and it's the home base for coca-cola and that 91% of the world's population has heard of Coke. I mean, you go everywhere, and you can see Coke. I mean, I've been to places like Australia. I've been to Nigeria. I've been to Senegal. I've been to all these places, and you know what? You can find a Coke there. Everywhere you go, you can find Coke. 74% have seen Coke. 51% have even tasted Coke. Think about that. I mean, we're talking billions of people who've actually literally tasted Coke. And it came from right here. And as phenomenal as those numbers are, it's amazing that the gospel still hasn't reached the entire planet. That, that Coke somehow can find its way into the far recesses of our world, and yet the gospel can't seem to get there. Why is that? Did you know that there are Still 25%, at least 25% of the world that has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking almost, it's almost 30%. So we're talking like billions of people that are still without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, let me ask you, as I just did, how would you define the gospel? What is the gospel of Jesus? There was a man who went to a large missionary school in Waco, Texas. And while he was there uh, teaching a class, um, he asked the, the people of the class, explain to me, what is the gospel? And so somebody raised their hand and said, well, it's, it's the free gift of God. He wrote that on the chalkboard. Another person raised their hand and said, well, it's, it's like being free from bondage, being free from your sin. And he wrote that on the board. The list went on. They kept writing different things of Goodness and grace and kindness of God. And as he filled up the entire chalkboard, he said, well, all those are good answers, but did we miss anything? And as people begin to flip through their Bibles and rustle the pages, two minutes go by and somebody on the front row raises their hand and says, why did we not mention Jesus? Isn't it Interesting. That when it comes to asking what is the gospel, we can name all these other things and somehow miss the entire point of what the gospel is. And the entire point of the gospel is Jesus Christ. That apart from Jesus, there is no gospel. And so this morning, I want to say that the gospel is the good news, but it's not just good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, there is no other good news apart from him. And so I want to say, you know, why is it that, that God comes and he says, I'm bringing to you good tidings of great joy. I'm bringing you this good news. Why do we need the good news? It's because there's bad news all around us. I mean, you don't have to look far to find some bad news. Turn on your TV for a couple of moments and you're going to hear bad news. Everywhere you go, there is bad news. In fact, in all of our um, advances in technology and science and all of our advances in, in all these different ways of living, we still haven't found a way to make the human nature better apart from God. There is no way for the human nature to be better apart from God. It's called the depravity of man. Is that we are all infected with a sinful nature, and that sinful nature affects everything that we do, from the way that we think, the way that we live, the way that we respond. All of these things affect us, and so because of that, God decides to intervene by sending His one and only Son in human flesh to come and live among us. And that is the good news. In fact, the word for good news or gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion. And that word, if you can see, you can see the word angel in there. Okay, the word angel comes from Engelion, which means messenger. And so the word euangelion, the, the prefix eu means good or joyful. And then angelion means message or messenger. So we have this Greek word that means This is where we get our word evangelism from, right, evangelist, is that somebody who is sharing the good news. This is what preachers do often from the pulpit. It's what we are called to do as messengers of God, is to share the gospel, to share the good news with those around us because people need some good news in their life. We've got a need for good news because there's so much bad news. And you know, a lot of people may feel like they're doing their best. Some people don't want to admit that they're in a bad way. Let's be honest. There are a lot of times when we don't want to admit we have a need. Isn't that true? It's true, right? This is why a lot of us don't go to the doctor. A lot of the male species especially, right? <laughs> right? We, we, we say, oh, I got this, I got this, right? I got this, right? I can handle it. And yet we come to a place in our lives where we all realize we might need some help outside of ourself. There's nothing wrong with a little self-confidence, but we all need to realize there is a reality, and that reality is we have a need we cannot meet. The reason it's called the good news, the gospel, is this, because it's good news for everyone and for anyone. You know, it's, it's like there is some good news, and this good news applies to anyone and everyone. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone who reaches out to Jesus will realize that Jesus is reaching out to you. It's not just for the down-and-outer or for the up-and-comer. It's not just for the outcast or the most popular. It's not just for those who realize they have a need. It's for everyone. It's for the good and for the bad. It's for the rich and for the poor. Jesus came to give himself for anyone and for everyone. And anyone who reaches out to him will see that he is a good, good father. So I want to be clear that today we're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is the only gospel. There is no other gospel. When people talk about other gospels, it's really kind of a misnomer because there is no other gospel. There is, if we're going to say it's good news, there is no other good news apart from Jesus, right? Y'all remember back in the day, I I, I wasn't alive during this time, but I've seen and heard things, right? You have these town criers, right? Extra, extra, read all about it, right? Wouldn't it be something, right? And I'm I'm not advocating that we do this, right? But there are people who may feel compelled to shout it from the rooftops of what Jesus has done in their lives. But certainly we can share it among our family and friends of what Jesus has done for us. So we're going to look at Paul's encounter this morning on the Damascus Road. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. We're going to be there for a few minutes. And we'll look at several other passages this morning. But we are going to, because our series has been going through the book of Acts, we're going to kind of uh, uh, hone in a little bit on Paul's life and his conversion this morning. Um, And for those of you who may not know, his name was Saul, who became Paul. And I think it's a very interesting thing to note that oftentimes when God deals with people in the Scriptures, they go through a name change. Y'all remember what Abraham's name was? It was Abram. But he became Abraham. And then Sarah was Sarai. And she was Sarah. How about Jacob? What was his name? Anybody remember? Or what was the name changed to? Israel. Okay, so so we see this, right? That when God does a work in our lives and God does a work in, in some major characters in the Scripture, they often go through this name change. And it's no different for Saul. Saul later becomes Paul. But here, in Acts chapter 9, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about the same person, Saul and Paul. So, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder. Okay, I want you to think about that. He's still doing this, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters for for the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, and that is what they were called back then. They were not called Christians. Okay, they were called followers of the way. So, men and women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, there are a couple of things that are very interesting to me as I read this passage, and I want to point it out to you. Is that Saul was on his way thinking he was doing the right things. He was a very religious man who was also guilty of murder and at least an accomplice of murder because he was there holding the coats whenever Stephen was killed. He is a Pharisee among Pharisees. This means he was very well educated, right? He knew the law inside and out, and he was a law keeper. He was a very good man in, in the public eye, a man of influence and authority. This guy has it all together. And he's not only accomplished great things, but he's looking to accomplish even more because he's trying to go and eradicate this, what he thinks is a false message. And as he's going out, he has the authority now from the government to go and take people captive. And while he's on his way, he has this personal encounter with Jesus. You see, I want you to understand that Saul was a, good, bad man, and also a bad, good man. He was a good, bad man and a bad, good man. And I want you to understand this, that we all fall into one of those two categories, right? It's like we need to understand that God knows us inside and out and that apart from Jesus Christ, if you were to take a moment right now and think about where would you be had God, had Jesus not intervened in your life. If you had not had a moment with God where God maybe even knocked you off your high horse. Because, and I've said this before, there will not be any proud people in heaven. Only those who have humbled themselves. Only those who've acknowledged that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. And so here is Saul who is thinking he's doing all this good stuff. And he is ticking off all the right boxes. He's doing everything perfectly right. And he's now going out and he's actually defending his belief by killing all these other people. And while he's doing that, God, Jesus, intervenes and knocks him down. For some days, Acts 9, 19 through 21, it says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard it were amazed and said, Wait a minute. Is this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? So everybody see that there's something that's radically different in Saul, there's something that's happened to this guy. How is it that he is now over here talking about and promoting Jesus and proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah when just a few days ago he was trying to kill everyone? It doesn't make sense. They're dumbfounded. And yet, the message of Jesus, the gospel of God, can and does change people from what they once used to be, to something entirely different. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Let's look at what Paul says the gospel is. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Now, look, that's really important to note. That we are only saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not by anything that we do. It's not by anything that we bring to the table. It is all the work of God. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain. And here's what he says. This is what you believed. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So here's Paul admitting it. He's saying, yes, that's what I used to be, but that's not what I'm now. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Paul is making it clear that I once was this. We just sang that song. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. How much more relevant is that for Paul? Who was blinded by the lights. And yet, when God came and sent the uh, uh, disciple Ananias to him, the scales fell off his eyes and he was able to see. You see... The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, died a substitutionary death on the cross for our sins, and rose again from the dead, just like he said he would, for our salvation. That is the good news. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves in order to give the gift of eternal life with himself. Jesus did for us everything that we needed to have done, not because we deserved it, but because of his great love for us. This morning, if you feel unloved, there's no need to feel that way. You have a God in heaven who loves you tremendously more than you will ever understand. If you feel like you've been rejected this morning, let me tell you, he's willing to accept any who will come to him. It doesn't matter what we're going through this morning. Jesus Christ loves us right where we are, but this is the promise that He makes to us, that He will not leave us where we are, but He will bring us to Himself and change us for the glory of God. Galatians, another book written by Paul, talking about the gospel. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He says, is there another gospel, really? Not that there is another gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. Paul is making a big deal about the gospel of Jesus. Because it's the gospel of Jesus that changed, radically changed his life. And Paul is saying this. If anyone comes to you trying to tell you there's some other way to have a relationship with God, they're lying. There is no other way to have a relationship with God apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is a definitive article, the, the way, which means the one and only way. There is not another way. You can't add anything to it. In fact, that was one of the things that was an issue with the Galatians is they were trying to say, well, I can have Jesus and this. Jesus plus this is enough. No, it's, it's Jesus only. There is no Jesus plus something else. It is Jesus alone. And so, back to looking at Paul's conversion. I want you to see there that it says, when he is approached by God, by Jesus from this heavenly light, it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who is it? who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul could have said, well, no, I'm persecuting these people over here who are false." And Jesus said, no, 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 I and my people, we're one. You're persecuting my people who are called by my name. And, And what you're doing to them, you're doing to me. Who are you persecuting, Paul or Saul? You're persecuting me. We need to understand that when it comes to the gospel of Jesus... It is all about Jesus, not about us. Saul thought he was doing good. He was on a mission from God, right? It just wasn't the right mission. And we need to understand that even in all of our doing good, even in all of our efforts, we could never earn an audience with God. We can't do enough to get to heaven. And this is really, really important for us to understand as followers of Jesus. Because Generation Z, I don't know if you guys saw the infographic I sent out this week, but Generation Z believes there's, there's 58% of them who believe there's more than one way to get to heaven. It's, it's the mentality of, well, you know, if that works for you, that's good, but that doesn't work for me. And, and you can take any path you want because really all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to God, and we know that's not true. But this is what the younger generation believes. It's what the younger generation is being exposed to, what they're being taught. This is is what has infiltrated our society today, is that you can do you. You do you, bro. If it's good for you, it's good for you. But don't impose your beliefs on me. And what we need to understand is this. how How do we help a generation that believes that? How do we we engage a generation that doesn't understand that Jesus is the only way? I would submit to us that one of the ways we have to do that more effectively is we have to be convinced of that ourselves. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Are you convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ is worthy of our lives? That we would give ourselves completely to sharing and spreading the gospel? And yet, and I don't have all the notes to go through this today, but I want you to understand this, that as I was saying earlier, that more people know about Coke than they do about Jesus. There's only one gospel, there's only one source of good news, and it's found in the person of Jesus. And any gospel that changes the emphasis to anything other than Jesus alone is no gospel at all. Anything that says Jesus and Jesus plus has changed the gospel. And Paul said this, if anyone comes to you preaching any other gospel, let them be accursed. There is no other gospel. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Another reason that the gospel is good and good news is because Jesus never changes, amen? I'm so glad Jesus never changed. I'm so glad God doesn't wake up and say, oh, you know, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to take it out on some people. God doesn't do that. God doesn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed. When I was growing up, you know, I'd get up sometimes in a bad mood, and my grandmother would say, well, you better go back to bed because I think you got up on the wrong side. Get up on the other side of the bed, right? Right? You better check yourself, right? Because we think that sometimes this is how God is, but God does not act the way that we do. Praise God for that. That God does not give us what we deserve. That God is never having a bad day because God never changes. He is good. He is always going to be good. He has been good to you. He's been good to me. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8 tells us this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm so glad that we can count on a promise like this, that he is immutable. Let me give you that theological word, right? Immutable. It means he never changes. The order we get, we go through changes. They say every, you know, it's, it's usually every um, five years for a woman, every seven years for a man. You go through changes. You know, and I've been, I've been going through a lot of changes myself. You know, people, some people asked me the other day or not too long ago, like, when did you start losing your hair? <laughs> it's like, why, why, why do you want to know that, right? Like, like it matters. So I guess it was around 25. But, but you know, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, 25, 28 years ago. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you start, you, you start noticing things, right? And it's like, oh, wow, that, that's, that's happening, right? It's getting a little bit harder to do this now. It's a little bit, it's, it used, this used to be nothing, I didn't have to think about it. And now, you know, you have to be maybe more deliberate about some things. Where well, you have to, like, be conscious about some things. And you realize that you're changing. Oh, well, you know this. Even though it's called the Ancient of Days, that doesn't mean he gets old. That just means he's been around the whole time. In fact, nothing existed before God. God is eternal. He's existed forever and ever and will continue to exist forever and ever. You see, the gospel of Jesus has the power to change us because Jesus never changes. He is the consistent one. We've all heard this before, right? Everything changes. With a little caveat, except Jesus. Everything changes, but not God. And so you can count on him because he never changes. And what he said one time is still good for today. And this is one of the things that we have to be aware of because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the Bible's an outdated book. Mm -mm. it's not outdated everything that god said then he still means now and everything that was important to god to put in the bible then is still applicable today it still matters today and in fact people who are actually going to willing to look and read the bible with an open mind will realize this that you know everything that that the bible talks about is actually coming true it's actually happening If you could actually read it with an open heart and open mind, you would see that God has not changed and his word is infallible. Paul went from being a murderous persecutor of the church and Christians to a promoter of Christ. And who and what can do that kind of radical change in somebody's life apart from God? No one, nothing. And so I want to give you guys some encouragement this morning that you may know someone that you feel like is a hard case. You may know someone that you feel like is so far from God, how in the world could they ever, ever come to know him? Well, look at the life of Paul and look at the power of the gospel. Because Paul would tell you this this morning, if God could save me, he can save anyone. And many of you, would be able to say the very same thing, that if God could save me, he can save you. That if God can do this in my life, he can do this in your life. That, that I was once so lost, so depraved, so far from God, I didn't even know that God was looking for me. And because of his great love, he illuminated my understanding to realize that he was real, that he was searching for me. And that because of his goodness and grace, he reached out to me, and you know what? He picked me up, and he changed my life. You see, if Jesus can save Paul and change him, then he can change you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we hear this verse a lot, right? Another verse written by Paul that says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, and behold, everything becomes new. Paul would tell you this. I could not change myself. In fact, Paul didn't even really want to change himself. He thought he was doing good until he had this encounter with God. And the encounter with God helped him realize he was not good. He was not good. You see, the power of God is what changes you, not yourself, and that's the good news. The good news is this. You don't have to change yourself. It's God who changes you. Most of us have tried to do or undo some things in our life. We've tried to make changes. Many of us made resolutions January the 1st. How are you doing on that? Change is kind of hard, isn't it? We, we start out real good, you know, in the first couple of days, the first week. Man, we're doing so good. We're doing so good on these changes. And then you know what happens? The second week comes, <laughs> right? And we forget. Or we get, we got different plans or something happens. And all of a sudden... The change that we so desperately thought we could do, we realize, I can't do it. All of us have tried to change. And what we've come to realize is that God is the one that has to make the change in us. You see, it's not good people that go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. It's graced people who go to heaven. And I am so grateful for God's grace Because if it was contingent on me being good enough or being better than somebody else, you know what? I've got very little hope. But it's because of the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ that He is going to bring me to heaven, not I'm getting to heaven on my own. It is because of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 tells us this For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not at your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. In fact, Paul wants us to understand this, and God's speaking through Paul, is that when you get to heaven, the reason you're getting to heaven by grace alone is because God wants heaven to be a place where no one can boast. No, no person in this room or any other, from any other place is going to be walking around strutting like George Jefferson. I'll say, yeah, I moved on up. I moved on up, right? I, it, it's all about me. Nobody in heaven is going to be doing that. Nobody in heaven is going to be showing around their record saying, look at all the things I did. When we get to heaven, it's all going to be, look at what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus did for someone like me who was far from him. Romans 5, 6, and 11, another passage that Paul wrote after his conversion. Look at what he says. For while we were still weak... At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That is, everyone who is apart from God is ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God still shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than that we are, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation what Paul is saying is this is that while we were still sinners Jesus did the work when he died he sealed the payment for us. When He rose again, He ascended to the Father. The Bible tells us that He's there making intercession for us even today, that He is praying for each and every one of us, praying that our faith remains strong, praying that we will continue to believe and follow in His way, and that it is because of His life, His resurrection life, that we have hope that we will live forever with Him, being reconciled by His blood. You see, the gospel is good news because... It's still good today. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross is still good today. That payment is still good today. You know, um, you've probably heard this illustration before about someone who writes a check and, you know, you, you have to date the checks. And it's like, uh, even, even nowadays on gift cards and stuff like that. It's like, um, some of you probably have a gift card in your pocket or your wallet and you haven't used it. And you think, you know, is this thing ever going to expire? And yes, they do expire. So you should use it. Because, see, the people who sell the gift cards, they kind of bank on you forgetting to use it. So it's free money for them. And so these things have expiration dates. But when it comes to a check, right, you you can have a date written on that check, but you've got to take and cash it. But it's still good. It's still good. It has no expiration date. Some checks may say, you know, expires after 90 days, something like that. But unless it has that on there, the check is still good. And what we've got to understand is this, is that Jesus made a payment for us 2,000 years ago, and it's still good today. But you've got to cash the check. You've got to take it to the bank. You've got to use it. He is willing to deposit that into your account, but you've got to go to the bank. And this morning, I want to encourage you that if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would do that. Because no matter what or how long it's been since you have heard a gospel message, That today, God knew that you would be here. And I want to say this, that even if you are saved, it is important for us, who are Christians, to preach the gospel to ourselves. We still need Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God, how close you are with God. It is the gospel that allows you that privilege to be close to Him. It's important for us to remind ourselves of our need for Jesus and that it is Jesus and Jesus alone who saves us. John Stott, a uh, well-known author and theologian, said this, We may speak of Caesar the Great, Alexander the Great, Peter the Great, but not Jesus the Great because he is not great. He is the only. He is the only. Jesus is the only salvation. He is the only Savior. He is the only way to God. He is the only one who is true. And this morning, as I close and wrap up, I want to give you an acrostic for the word gospel. G-O-S-P-E-L. So, let me hear a little interaction from you guys, right? So, I'm going to say it G. You say it G. G O S-P-E-L All right, so gospel. We can all spell gospel. We just proved it. So here's what you can do, okay? Sharing the gospel is not that hard, but you got to do it. And here's what gospel, the gospel is. G-O-S-P-E-L God offering his son to pay for eternal life. G-O-S-P-E-L. There's the gospel in very succinct terms. You can share that with your friends. You just say, hey, do you know what the gospel of Jesus is? No, I don't know what the gospel of Jesus is. Well, here it is. G-O-S-P-E-L. God offered his son as payment for eternal life. Are you willing to accept that payment for eternal life? There is no other way to heaven apart from Jesus. So this morning, band, you guys come on up. Y'all are like, wow, that's a short message this morning. Yeah, because you see, the gospel is not complicated. We, 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 we tend to complicate the message of God. And this is the message of Jesus, right? That he loved us so much that he gave his life. He laid it down for us so that anyone who believed in him would not perish but can have everlasting life. That is the gospel this morning. Would you pray with me? I want to ask you a question while you your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed when you think about this have you ever had a life-changing encounter with jesus have you ever come to the place where you've realized i can't fix myself i can't do enough i can't be enough and so jesus would you be enough jesus is enough There's not Jesus and or Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus alone. So this morning, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do that. And it's simply giving yourself to Him. It's not a special prayer that saves us. It's not a a special thing that we do. It's just accepting what He's done. So right there where you are, If you've never given yourself to to Jesus this morning, just call out to him from your heart. Jesus, this morning I've heard how you changed Saul. I'm praying you could change me. I've heard that you gave your life on the cross for me. And today I accept that check for eternal life would you deposit your holy spirit in me and make me one of your own thank you jesus for what you've done that we don't deserve but we are grateful for it help us to promote your gospel to each and every person we come across, Lord, in how we live, how we love, how we interact. This morning, if you are praying to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to share that with someone, and I would love to know that for myself so that I could celebrate with you. Christians, when you think about how the gospel has changed your life, I mentioned it earlier, where would you be Had Jesus not intervened in a moment in your life, we could all kind of speculate and say, wow, you know, if it weren't for God, this is where I'd be. Give Him praise for that. And then finally, who is someone that maybe God wants you to share the gospel with? Maybe this week you should pray and say, God, who is it that needs to hear your story? Who is it that believes there's no hope? Who is it that needs some good news? And then pray that you would have the boldness and courage to simply share with them that God offered His Son to pay for their eternal life. That if they would simply believe in Him, He would move in and change everything. So, Father God, we are here today because of your goodness and your kindness to us. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. It is your grace wherein we stand. And today, we give thanks for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the good news that came to us so that we could be called the children of God. We give you thanks and praise and honor.